We are the Rookie Phenoms. We have an amazing show for you today. I'm your host, Coop, with my main man, Webb. What up, people? We have so much to get to today. It has been a crazy day in the NFL. Retirements, signings. I am furious about some things. And, of course, we are going to end the show discussing the NCAA tournament. March Madness is here. Webb, are you ready? So I didn't sleep much this past weekend. I was watching all the conference tournaments. Um, to say I'm ready is an understatement. Yes, I am. I cannot wait. It's going to be a very, very fun show. Uh, please follow us on Twitter, at RookieFenons, by the way, to get full updates for the tournament, free agent signings. We are on the ball here. Hell Web, yeah, we are. Let's start with your favorite quarterback of all time, Drew Brees, has finally retired from the NFL. He is 42. He is a Super Bowl champion. He is a Walter Payton Man of the Year winner. He is allegedly an all-time great. Are you going to miss Drew Brees? Uh, miss Drew Brees. First of all, stop telling listeners that he's my favorite player, my favorite quarterback. He's definitely not. Um, am I going to miss Drew Brees? Not really, but I think the game will miss Drew Brees. I think... He was like inspiration for a lot of guys who were undersized. And he was one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen in my lifetime. I think his absence will be felt for sure. And he's, he's, he's been through a lot with New Orleans. And that city loves him and he loves that city. So I won't miss him necessarily, but I think the game will. I will not miss him either. I think he is the most overrated quarterback of any time in history. I was never scared of Drew Brees ever. Even when he won a Super Bowl against my team, I was never scared of him. I don't know why. I just, I always thought he was very overrated. He had an excellent career, but I don't think he's on Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. I think he's like a top 10 guy, maybe. But people today are acting like he's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, like right below, right with them, and he's not. He's just three steps below those guys. Yeah, but even being three steps below those guys, I think that is still um, a very impressive career. I don't think he's on the Mount Rushmore either. But if Mount Rushmore was like 10 faces, 11 faces for quarterbacks, he'd be on it, which is still very impressive. He had an excellent career. The longevity, I think, is probably the most impressive part to me. People, Nick Saban thought his career was over 15 years ago. He didn't want him in Miami. He thought he was too injured. And since going there, he's been one of the healthiest quarterbacks in the league. Very impressive career. And I get what you're saying. Like, he wasn't really the best quarterback in the league, definitively, in any year. I think it was arguable some years. He never won MVP, um, but he led the league in completions six times. After he left San Diego is when he started to really turn it on. Uh, he had 5,000 passing yards five times in a season. Um, no other quarterback in NFL history has done that more than one time. And Drew Brees has already done it five times. Uh, we know about the, the touchdown passing uh, mark that he has. <clears throat> Second all time, 571 touchdown passes. Uh, Brady's number one. Peyton's number three. Aaron Rodgers is number four. Sorry, I'm not sure if he's number four, but he's the he's the only active quarterback that is close. Uh, let me see his completion percentage, Drew Brees, 67.7, which is second all time. 
Uh, he led the league in completion percentage six times in his career and three times in the last four seasons. I just think he has so many accolades that are that should be celebrated. And he led the league in passing yards seven times. He had an excellent career. He was just never the best quarterback in football. Right. He was always in the top four to five. He was just never the guy. Good for him. He had a great time. He's 42. Spend time with your kids. Congratulations, Drew Brees. I hear that. Let's get to some players that signed contracts today. Webb, the NFL has funny money. The, the money is not real, apparently, because everyone got paid. I could not believe the size of some of these contracts. What did you think today as a whole? Um, so some contracts surprised me, not because of the size, but sorry, the lack thereof. Some guys I thought were low-balled. You predicted that uh, I should sort of temper my expectations in terms of the money that would be given out. I thought there would be some guys that would be exempt from the the lower salary cap and would still get big deals. So it's been a mixed bag. Uh, so what surprised me was actually some of the low contracts. And I think what surprised you were was the fact that some guys still got paid. Let's start with, I think, the biggest contract of the day. Joe Thune, a guard for the New England Patriots, signed with the Kansas City Chiefs five years, $80 million. It could be as much as $48 million in guaranteed money. I thought uh, Joe Thune was one of the best guards available this year. But the Chiefs just cut Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Were you surprised by this move? Yeah, it always surprises me. So after they cut... uh... Schwartz and Fisher, uh, some of the players uh, restructured the money, moved some money around, pushed it pushed it off. So they were making money to sign. Sorry, they're making moves to sign some players. Never thought they'd get Joe Tooney uh, at all, uh, especially not with this big of a contract. Um, so I was very shocked. I can't believe it. I don't know how they found the money for this. They had everyone restructure their deals, and I still can't believe they did it. It's crazy. They have uh, Lard- Lawrence Duvernay-Tardif coming back this year, who they paid last year. So now they have two really good guards and no tackles that have any NFL experience. This is an insane way to build an offensive line to me. So I think what they're doing, I think they're going to bring back Mike Remmers, uh, who played for them in the Super Bowl. So they'll have one of their tackles with Super Bowl experience. Um, and I'm not sure if they'll... Uh, if they'll bring back <clears throat> anyone else from the offensive line, but uh, they could. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they're if they're gonna go uh, get either a free agent or maybe in, get someone in the draft. But I don't think they're gonna leave Patrick Mahomes uh, out to dry. So I expect them to make another um, another move on the on the on the free agency board when it comes to offensive linemen. They're gonna need to. Okay, let's get to a bunch more names. Robert Gronkowski has signed a one-year, $10 million deal to Tampa Bay. He won the Super Bowl with them this year. He was integral in that game. Last year, I believe he signed for one year, $7 million. Do you think he's worth this money? Definitely. I agree 100%. They could have paid him any amount of money. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, his value is more than just what's in the box, what's on the box score. Um, you've talked about Gronk a bunch of times, what he does on the field, off the field, the relationship he has with Brady. That team could fall apart, honestly, if Gronk didn't come back. I think he's so integral to 
to just being there. He's a, he's a glue on offense. He blocks very well. Uh, he's he's preserving his body so that when you need him to catch passes, he can. He's a just a freak of an athlete. He deserves it. I was thinking about this today. I think over the last 12 years, he is the offensive player I would have most wanted on my team. He's been the best offensive player for 12 years. I can't think I of a guy I'd rather have than him. I'd have to think about it because um, I, th- I think if you were saying for one game, maybe, I'd have to think about it. But because of the injuries that I think of, I'm just that's what I remember a lot more recently about Gronk than how good he was. To, to me, it's just every time the ball is thrown to him, I, I am almost positive he's going to catch it. I can never remember a big Gronk drop ever. He's so reliable. It's terrifying. Yeah, no, he's he, he's a big guy. And, uh, you know, he's very valuable as a blocker, as a, as a pass catcher, um, as an athlete, as a teammate. I think he's one guy who excelled, I said it before, excelled on and off the field. Like as a partier, and also on the field as as and and uh, practicing as a as a workhorse. I don't know how he balances both. He's a freak, is how he balances both. He doesn't make sense physically. His body is ridiculous. How yeah. are you that big and that fast? There's no one else like him. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, and he's still relatively young in age. In terms of what his body has gone through, he's probably in his forties. I think he's won four Super Bowls now, and he was a gigantic part of every victory. He made the crucial catch against the Rams to win. He had some huge catches against the Chiefs last season. He almost caught that Hail Mary in the Super Bowl they lost to Philadelphia, I believe, and one to the Giants. He's everywhere. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's a beast. He's worth every penny. Um, he's He keeps coming back for one year, one year. It's interesting because, uh, you know, Brady's going to be there for a little bit. I'm surprised that they didn't give him a, a longer deal to sort of be, you know, coterminous with Brady's deal so they can both retire together. But I don't know. Maybe Gronk's head isn't really in it for more than one year at a time. So he actually had an interview today on the NFL Network. And he said, I'm only signing one-year deals from now on. Mm. So this was his it was his choice. Okay. Did he say why? Uh, he did not. He just said he wants to do one-year deals. I guess he likes free agency. If things are bad in Tampa, he was able to leave next year if he chooses to. Okay. Yeah. Good for him. Okay. One of the most surprising contracts to me is Yannick Ngakwe signed with the Las Vegas Raiders today. Two years, $26 million. I predicted he was going to get five years, $70 million. This was crazy to me. What did you think here, Webb? Um, I was surprised that it was Vegas. I, I wasn't surprised by the, the, the length and the money for the contract, but I was surprised that it was Vegas. Good, good on Mayock for doing that. I like it. I think it's a great signing for Vegas. They need a pass rusher terribly bad against across from, uh, Cleveland Farrell. But how was he only getting $26 million? He's 25 years old. He's so young. He's had 12 sacks in a year. I don't understand how there weren't a, there wasn't a bigger offer on the table for him. I don't know. Uh, maybe there was, and, and uh, he just wanted to go with Vegas. Romeo Aquara is a guy we're going to talk about in a second. Got three years, $39 million who has done nothing like Ngakwe has. I just don't understand it. 
And I'm also furious the Colts didn't offer three for 40. Like, if this was on table, why wouldn't they do this? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I predicted that Yannick was going to go to the Colts for 56, but uh, I don't know. I have a feeling that uh, guys are signing. I don't know if they're getting advice saying, like, this is the best offer you're going to get. This is a good franchise. And then when they sign, after they sign, they see other deals and they're like, what the hell? I have a feeling it's something like that. Gotta be, for sure. But good signing for the Raiders. They definitely needed this. And he's going to be a free agent again in two years, so he can try and get some money. At least 27. So it's not a bad time to get free agency. Yeah, and because he knows he's on a, a sort of short leash with the Raiders, he'll probably play his butt off and be really good for them in those two years. Yeah, probably. Okay, some news just came right now. Corey Davis signed with the New York Jets. Three years, $37 million. We should say we are recording this at Monday at 8 o'clock at night. If anything happens after this, we are not responsible for this show. (laughs) Okay. Webb, do you like this signing for the Jets? Because I think this is the most Jets thing they could have done. No, it's terrible. Corey Davis is not good. We (laughs) talked about this. But you're right. This is a Jetsian move. Uh, you almost predicted this exactly. You predicted the Jets because you know the Jets do dumb things. I do not. I think Corey Davis is a fine number two receiver. He's just not that good. He's not a number one, and the Jets have no number one receiver. This is a terrible idea for them. Yeah, so I think we differ there. I don't think he's a fine number uh, two receiver. I think he's he'd be a good number three receiver uh, on a on an already established team. When you're going to the Jets, and you're going to be the guy as it stands so far, they could get someone else, and I think they probably will. But, I mean, that's a lot of money and, and years to commit for, to Corey Davis. So I don't like it. Try. So he's he's getting basically $12 million a year. I think that's almost what we predicted. We basically predicted we'd get that kind of money. I just, I knew he was going to get it, and I'm still angry he got it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think he would have been... I think I like him a little bit better on Baltimore, which you chose. I chose the Jets because it seemed like a Jetsian move, but I like him better on Baltimore. At least they have like a, or they can have a core of receivers, and Corey Davis doesn't have to be the number one. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Kevin Zeitler, recently cut by the New York Giants, has signed for three years with Baltimore for $22.5 million, with $16 million guaranteed. I love this move for Baltimore. They've been kind of – their offensive line has taken a huge hit since Marshall Yander retired. They needed a replacement. This is a great guard for very reasonable money. What do you think, Webb? I uh, I love it for the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson was the MVP with Marshall Yander there, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, Yander left, Stanley got hurt, and he was not the same player. So I think they're trying to make sure that that line is intact. Um, and they have a lot uh, to invest in Lamar. If they're going to pay him soon, they need to make sure that he's healthy. I agree. Good start, though. Yeah, uh, I really like Corey, it. you are killing these predictions, by the way. You predicted Corey Lindsley from the Packers would sign with the Chargers. He signed for 5 for 62. You said 5 for 60. Webb, are you a cap genius? Because this is amazing. I'm far from it. <laughs> far from that but I just I think uh, LA as a city is very attractive 
And if you're going to choose to go to the team that has money, you're going to go to the Chargers because the, the Rams don't, obviously. And why would you not want to play uh, for, uh, with Justin Herbert? I agree. It's a great place for him. They need an interior offensive line help badly. <laughs> he is now the highest paid center in football. Good for him. He deserves it. So I have my doubts with Packers line, uh, with linemen from the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is so good. That he he fixes a lot of holes in their game. I'm not sure he will be the best center in football with the Chargers like he was for the Packers. Probably not. But there's like a high high bar that's been set by him. Uh, I was listening to uh, to uh, NFL the NFL Network this morning, and uh, they were saying that the Packers don't really re-sign guys three times. So uh, they had an inkling that Corey Lindsley was going to leave as well. And lo and behold, it happened. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. For the Chargers. To, yeah, and, and to your point, he probably won't. It's tough, man. It's tough to. Yeah. And uh, let's see how the rest of the line looks, because the Packers still had a good line around uh, with with Bakhtiari and, uh, and and those guys. So let's see how if the Chargers can get another lineman over there. I think they're going to need to because they still have some gigantic holes. Yeah. Okay, the next name on my list is Romeo Aquara. He stays in Detroit three years, $39 million. So $13 million a year for a part-time player. Webb, do you like this move for Detroit? Because I love it. Uh, not really. Um, I think they could have let him go. I predicted they were going to let him, they were going to keep him, but... Um, I'm not really that high on this. I think he's going to get a lot more playing time if he was part-time before. He's not going to be part-time anymore. Not with that money. So, I, I didn't think he would get this much money just because of the part-time his part-time status. But, because Detroit is paying him, I think they know what they have there and how good he can be. So, I think they're going to unleash him next year. I think he's going to be a star. I really believe in this guy. He is going to be very, very good next year for Detroit. Yeah, you you, uh, you could be right. Uh, the team will be trash, uh, but he will probably shine among the trash. Jared Goff is the likely MVP next year. What are you talking about? He's an all-star, <laughs> bro. <laughs> Who's Jared Goff going to be throwing to next year, Coop? I have a tryout on Thursday, so we'll figure that out later. Yeah, it might be. It might be you and DeAndre Swift. Like DeAndre Smith, Swift might have to be like, a first-round pick in fantasy football next year. No, I, I'll never forget that pass he dropped last year to win the game. It was wide open, <laughs> dropped it, and I was like, oh, Swift, your career is never going to be the same. <laughs> okay, Ronald Darby from Washington is signed with Denver. Three years, $30 million with 19.5 guaranteed. Webb, you were much higher on Darby than I was. What do you think about this move for Denver? I like it. Um, glad they didn't give him the money that I predicted he would get in Washington. Uh, I think I did say that I thought Washington would overpay him if they kept him, and that's because I think Washington would have been higher on him than other teams. But I like that that deal for Denver. Um, three for thirty is a good deal, and I think he's decent. Not great, but I think he's decent. I'm gonna give myself some credit. This is one contract I almost predicted exactly. Got the team wrong, but the money was right, so I'm proud of myself because there was a lot of dumpster fires on my side of the spreadsheet. Good job. Thank you. 
Okay. I think my favorite signing of the day, because it hurts your feelings, was Leonard Floyd to the Los Angeles Rams. Four years, $64 million. Well, I have a question for you. Your team is minus $36 million over the cap right now. How did you do this move? I don't understand the math. Uh, We're going to get rid of uh, Andrew Whitworth. It has to be. He's 40 years old, and he's... A great left tackle, but he eats up a lot of the of the salary, and um, I think it would be cheaper to, to cut him. I don't want to get rid of him, but they have to do that, I'm assuming. That will save you $6 million. Where does the other $30 million come from? I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe we get rid That's of Havenstein, too. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know, man. Like This team, I don't know what they're going to look like. So... Leonard Floyd's kind of had an up-and-down career. He had 10 sacks last year playing beside Aaron Donald. I think he is a fine player. I don't think he's worth $64 million. Do you like the signing for the Rams? Not at the expense of our safety. Um, I think we overpaid for Leonard Floyd. I think you called him a gun for hire. Um, I think he's really good in, on those short-term deals or in contract years. I don't know how he's going to perform now that he has a long-term deal. I'm just – I think anyone will look good playing beside Aaron Donald. I don't understand paying for someone when you have the best defensive player in football. I just don't get doing it. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't know, man. And that pass rush better be like A1, like <laughs> top-notch in the league. It's going to be interesting. The player you wanted them to keep, John Johnson – has signed with the Cleveland Browns, three years, $33.75 million, with 23 guaranteed. So basically half of what Leonard Floyd got. Webb, I know you'd love this deal for Cleveland. What do you think here? Fantastic move for Cleveland. Bad move to let him slip away for that money for the Rams. This is exactly what Cleveland needed. They needed a safety very badly. They have a very young secondary. Uh, they have Ronnie Harrison there now, who I'm kind of so-so on. Uh, John Johnson is a hitter. He called the plays for the Rams' defense. I think this is going to make a gigantic difference for Cleveland's defense. I love the move for Cleveland. Oh, it's very good. I, I love it more because it hurt your feelings for the Rams. Though. I really appreciate that the most, I think. The only thing better than the Colts doing bad, sorry, doing good, is the Rams doing bad because I get to laugh at you. I really appreciate that. So... I don't know what the Rams are going to do. I'm, I I feel a little bit better about the offense because of uh, Matt Stafford over Jared Goff. But I'm not that high on Matt Stafford to think that he's going to be like the savior of this team. So and 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 the Rams do have um, do have a good defense, obviously with Aaron Donald, uh, Brockers, I guess Leonard Floyd now that he's part of part of the that core, and obviously Jalen Ramsey. <sighs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> But Jan says it all. Okay. Uh, Shaq Barrett with the Tampa Bay Bucks re-signed in Tampa. Four years, $72 million with 36 guaranteed. I thought he was going to go back to Tampa. I think they're keeping this together as long as they can. Their Super Bowl window is still open, and I love the move for Tampa Bay. And they got him for cheaper than I thought, so good for them. Yeah, it wasn't too far off with the money and the contract um, duration, but... I was wrong with the team. I said four for 75 to the Jets, and he went to Tampa for four years for 72 million. Uh, 
again, this guy seemed like a real lightning in the bottle kind of player to me two years ago. Uh, he still had a good year last year. I don't know if he's worth that much, but if it's going to keep the core intact and it helps him to win one more Super Bowl, even if he's not great two years later, like it's probably worth it. I think it just sends the message to the locker room that if you perform, we'll pay you, which I think is always smart in the NFL. Tampa won the Super Bowl, and they are rewarding the guys that were crucial in that effort. So I love the move for Tampa. I love the move for Shaq Barrett. Good for him getting paid. I think he got a got a little more other places. He took less to stay home, so good for him. Yeah, let's let's see if he produces. Um, I don't think he'll be able to slack there. I don't think that's a team that will allow you to do that. So. Okay, Danico Autry signed for three years with Tennessee for $21.5 million. This deal just happened, so I don't have the guaranteed money yet. I love Danico Autry. A good deal for him, $7 million a year. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Surprised he got the third year, but he's a very, very good player. And the Tennessee did a really good job getting him from a division rival. Yeah, Tennessee. You know what? Like A lot of these teams are not a lot of them. But a few of them, Tennessee, the Pats, they're looking to take advantage of uh, the Chiefs looking a little uh, mortal. Um, and it's going to be an interesting year next year to see like how the playoffs play out. So I think the Pats are back. We're going to get to the Pats because they made the most moves of anybody. But some of them I liked, some of them I did not. A move I really did not like, Aaron Jones re-signed with the Green Bay Packers. Four years, $48 million. Webb, what is my number one rule? Don't pay running backs. 100%. Green Bay broke this rule like an idiot. Uh, you didn't think they were going to be this stupid. I knew they were going to be this stupid. Defend Aaron Rodgers, great general manager, Webb. A man you love for drafting Jordan Love. So, I don't love Brian Gutenkunst for drafting Jordan Love. I think that it was a decent move, but it was conditional on them getting receivers at some point throughout the offseason, which they did not. I don't like this move either. I don't think Aaron Jones is worth this money. Four years for $48 million for Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry, who had back-to-back seasons of 2,000 rushing yards, um, signed for four years, $50 million just last year. I don't see why you had to lock up Aaron Jones for this. I would have let him walk if we couldn't get uh, couldn't get down pat uh, a short term deal. There's no way in hell I was going to give this this man twelve million dollars a year. Not worth it at all. I think it was stupid. So I think my biggest problem with the deal and why I hated this draft so much and I've been so hard on the Packers is in the first round they drafted Jordan Love. In the second round, they drafted a running back that barely played in A.J. Dillon. So they made a move the last two in the last draft to replace the quarterback and replace the running back. And they did neither of these things. The quarterback won the MVP, and the running back they just gave $48 million to. Why did they use these picks on these players if they weren't going to move on? It's so stupid. This guy is terrible at his job. He should be running to Green Bay with pitchforks. I am furious. <laughs> uh, yeah, the AJ Dillon move obviously looks like a waste now. They should have drafted a, a receiver or at least signed a receiver or, hey, maybe traded for Will Fuller in the season, which was reportedly close. Um, yeah, I don't get it. So 
Corey Lindsley's gone. Um, I don't know. You gave Aaron Jones $12 million a year. Uh, they still don't have a secondary receiver. Or uh, Robert Tanyan's a free agent. I don't know what this team's doing. Uh, it's called being stupid. That's what they're doing. Guntekins needs to go. He's trash. Let's move on to a GM who's not trash. Jason Verrett was just signed by John Lynch in San Francisco. One year, $5.5 million. This is the kind of contract I thought he would get because of the huge injury risk. He played amazing last year. I love this move for San Francisco. I think it's genius. Yeah, it's great. Um, you were very close. You thought he was going to the Pats, two for 12. He stayed in San Fran, one for five and a half. So, like, you're almost on the money, literally. Um, <laughs> I predicted three for 33, way off. But I thought he would stay in San Francisco. I love the deal. Um, he stayed in San Francisco and they kept him for, uh, you know, one seventh of the price or one sixth of the price that I predicted. Um. <laughs> no, the thing is, though, that you were right. He is worth that money if healthy. I thought he was going to push for two years in case he got hurt one year. He's like, give me a little more guaranteed money. But they got him to agree the one year deal so he can cash in next year as yes. long as he's healthy. And if he's healthy, he will get paid next year because he is amazing. Yeah, they have a lot of free agents this year, so it's probably a little tough. Uh, this deal is just uh, almost like a placeholder, provided that he um, he performs and can stay on the field. He will be rewarded next year, and maybe he'll get the the deal that I propose this year next year. Maybe maybe even larger if San Francisco does really well. And the cap this year is at one eighty two. There is a chance if they sign that new TV contract, the cap could be 225 next year. So it was maybe very smart of him to get the one-year deal. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he'll get 15 mil per year. Yeah, it could be. Okay. Uh, Marcus Golden signed, re-signed with Arizona. Two years, $9 million. This is a steal for Arizona. I can't believe he signed for this little money. Yeah, we both had him leaving. Um, I had him going to Carolina. You had him going to uh, the Steelers. Um, that's a great signing. Great signing. Two years, nine million dollars, and they traded for him last year. I thought I thought it was a great signing. I had him leaving because I didn't think there was any way they could possibly afford him after giving JJ Watt that contract. I thought he was a ten million dollar a year player, and he signed or to ten to eight or ten million. He signed for four and a half million dollars. This is a steal. Yeah, his agent still, was bad. <laughs> they still have Hassan Reddick uh, as a free agent, so maybe they're trying to bring him back as well. In addition to Patrick Peterson and um, Kenyon Drake, and yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Okay, so the busiest team of the day, which we saved for the end of the free agency talk, was the New England Patriots. I believe they have given out. I want to say over $155 million in contracts so far. They never do this. But let's break them all down. Uh, Johnu Smith, my favorite tight end in the league, uh, that was a free agent this year, signed for four years, $50 million, with $31 million guaranteed. The Pats wanted this guy badly, and they were not going to be denied. I love this move for the Patriots. This was a genius. Fantastic signing. Um... I thought was the best, the best offensive signing like for value and for need uh, today. I really liked it. To me, it came out of nowhere. 
I didn't expect Johnny Smith to to agree to a, a deal um, this early, and the Pats had a huge need at tight end. Fantastic move. He's such a great blocker. He's kind of like a baby Gronk. He can do what Gronk did, and maybe Cam Newton will actually throw him the ball. <laughs> and he's still relatively young. He's very young. Yeah, it's a great move. They got one of the best pass rushers on the market, Matt Judon from Baltimore, signed with the Pats again for four years, $56 million. Again, the Pats were not going to be denied. They went early and spent a lot of money. Do you like Matt Judon and the Patriots? Yeah, I like, I like that deal. Um, I think you and I had – you had him going to Houston 4 for 60, so you were very close. I had him going to Indy 3 for 40. Um, yeah, I like that deal for for the Pats. So I'm not sure how good Matt Judon is outside of Baltimore. Baltimore is so good at their schemes at getting guys one-on-one for sacks. New England is, is as well, and they usually don't pay pass rushers. But I think they have a plan for him, and it's going to work. I think Matt Judon has a gigantic year next year. Yeah, I think he's going to be really good. They're also not used, used to losing and having losing seasons. Um, they got really uh, messed up last year with COVID, with all the opt-outs, and they won seven games. I think they really want to make up for that. Uh, Brady also won a Super Bowl the year after leaving the Pats. I think they have a lot of motivation to do well this year. And they did something very un- uncharacteristic in in making these, these splashes first day, handing out a lot of money. Um, so I think I think they did very well. They signed Jalen Mills, four years, $24 million. He's a versatile defensive back and play corner or safety. I think this was smart, too. I was okay, I was okay on the on the Jalen Mills signing. Um, wasn't mad at it. Uh, you know, he's getting six mil per year. Um, maybe I looked at the Jason Verrett deal and he was only getting five and a half mil per year. <clears throat> um, I think I would have rather seen the Pats go after uh, William Jackson or Patrick Peterson or even Sherman uh, as a corner, but I'm not mad at it. I just thought that area, which is their strongest area on the field, um, the secondary, uh, thought maybe they could have gone after someone else, especially with Stefan Gilmore in the trade rumors. I want to see what they do. So that's why I actually like the deal for them, because I think the Patriots are the best defensive back coach team in the league. I'm sure they have a plan of how they're going to use him, and he's going to be very successful playing with Patrick Chung. I think it's going to be very good for them. Could be right. I think this team is going to look very different, including Cam Newton. And the last two moves they made, they signed two receivers. They signed Nelson Aguilar, two years, $26 million. And Kendrick Bourne from San Francisco for three years, $22.5 million. This team is going to be so different next year. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, in addition, they also agreed to bring back Cameron Newton for a year. This team is going to be very different. I think Cam's going to be motivated. Um a lot of people wrote him off, including you and I. I think he'll have a better year next year. He's going to have weapons around him. Um, I'm not sure the Pats are done uh, on the market. And uh, now that they brought in this influx of, of players, I think more players would be interested in signing there. So Kendrick Bourne is one of the fastest receivers in football. He's great on sweeps, very good close to the line of scrimmage. Nelson Aguilar is, he can play in the slot, he can play outside a little bit. He's He's very 
reliable, surprisingly. He didn't have great hands in Philly, but he had great hands last year. I think what this is saying by signing Johnny Smith, Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne is this is going to be a very short offense. A lot of five-yard throws, a lot of seven-yard throws. Nothing too deep for Cam Newton. They're going to beat you on the ground running the ball with Cam. And they're going to take very short throws. I We killed him last year because he couldn't throw the ball 10 yards. Mm-hmm. He was incapable of doing it. I think these signings kind of say, hey, we know he can't do it. But we're going to put him in places to win while he's not able to do that. These are winning players for what Cam Newton is able to do. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, like they know what Cam is. They brought him back for a reason. I mean, they brought him back on a very team-friendly deal. Um so I think the pieces that they're fitting around him on offense are going to be to play to his strengths. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's very smart. Hey, there are some trades we have to get into. The New England Patriots traded for Trent Brown from Oakland. He was on the Patriots for their last Super Bowl. Oakland gave him a gigantic contract, and he underperformed there. He's coming home to New England. I think this was a very smart move for the patch. They know how to use him. He was very successful. I like his raid. I like it too. Uh, familiarity. Like that Patriots team, as much as they're very straight-laced and all that other stuff, uh, they they have an effect on players, and it seems like a family. Like It's like a fraternity. Even when guys retire, like they still tout the Patriot brand. Randy Moss apologized to Bill Belichick. <laughs> After they traded him, like there's something about the past there that people, for the most part, never seem to shake off. It's almost like a like a like a brotherhood or whatever. That's true. Okay, the Pats also made another trade. They traded Marcus Cannon, their current tackle, to Houston, and that's a for a pick swap. I believe the sixth and seventh round picks. So the Pats got a, a tackle from Oakland and then traded one to Houston. What do you think about this move? I like what Houston's doing. Um, me, me too. Yeah. I, I didn't mind it. Uh, the Pats had to make some splashes, so they had to make some moves. Uh, to so, And Houston had to surround Deshaun Watson, their quarterback, uh, with weapons. For now and forever, yeah. Yeah, their quarterback, uh, <laughs> Dr. Leverage. <laughs> <laughs> and the last trade is Houston made another deal. They got Shaq Lawson from Miami. And they gave Miami their best linebacker, Benedrick McKinney. I was very surprised by this, but I think McKinley's very, very good. Who's uh, I think his third year in the league, fourth year. I, I was surprised Houston did this. I think Shaq Lawson is just kind of okay to me. He's, I don't think he's that great. And McKinley's really good. I liked it. I liked it. For which, which side? Uh, for both. I liked it more for Miami. I think Miami won that deal pretty hands down. I think... <clears throat> I think Shaq, Shaq Lawson is good. Uh, I think this team is already better than it was last year, uh, especially when Deshaun uh, plays for them next year. And uh, <laughs> I think, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. And I think I like to see the moves that uh, Cachero is making um, already. He's made a few moves, none of which have been related to Deshaun Watson's trade request. Um there have been multiple quarterbacks traded since Deshaun made his trade request. And Nick Cacero's just wheeling and dealing uh, because he knows that he's not going to trade him or even entertain discussions on him. Very true. Oh, also, also I want to say one more thing. Um, I know that, like we talked about these deals, uh, 
this is we're also still in the negotiation window. Um, so these deals aren't in stone yet. Only reason why I bring that up is because I remember as a Rams fan, uh, last year we thought we lost Michael Brockers. Uh, it was reported that he agreed <clears throat> to, uh, in principle, with the with the Ravens during this negotiation window, and then after the, the they couldn't agree on terms. So some of these can fall apart, uh, just as a little word of caution. Yeah, Frank Clark, uh, sorry, uh, Frank Gore backed out on the Eagles to sign with the Colts a few years ago, and Anthony Barr agreed with the Jets, I believe, and then ended up coming back to Minnesota as well. So these deals are not set in stone, but they're usually like 97% of them go through. Yeah. Okay, there is a disgruntled player in Chicago right now. Allen Robinson was given the franchise tag by Chicago. Chicago has not made any serious contract talk with him since September. So they have no interest in actually giving him a long-term deal. What is happening in Chicago? Break it all down for us. Yeah, so uh, the Bears have designated <clears> – <throat> sorry, man, my voice. The Bears have de- designated Allen Robinson uh, with, to be their franchise tag player. Uh, he so far is refusing to sign the tag. So, um, you know, he's he's free to, to uh, negotiate with other clubs. And, you know, if other clubs – come with a deal the bears have have the right to match it but um he hasn't signed it yet so there's no kind of like they're at a, a standstill right now uh so i don't know what's going to happen is he, i don't know if he's going to play for the bears uh he doesn't want to be franchised and i don't think he wants to be in chicago either um, so i believe i believe if they had the franchise on him he can sit out the first eight games of next year come back for game nine and still have the season count as an accrued time of time Yes. So he could be a free agent the year after unless they franchised him again. I actually predicted on our show that either he would sign with someone else or the Bears would franchise to trade him. I think that's what they're doing. They're going to try and get a first-round pick. My guess is from Baltimore for Allen Robinson. Scumbag thing for Chicago to do, and I do not like the NFL doing this to their players. I agree with you um, in terms of everything you said except for trading him. <laughs> Maybe maybe they will trade him. I don't know. I predicted that he would go to Indy, five for eighty-five million. Uh, we'll see if that happens. But yeah, I do think it's a scumbag thing to do, unless they're able to trade him very quickly and they're working on a deal like as we speak. Actually, no, it's still a scumbag move because he doesn't get to choose where he wants to go. Either way. Yeah, the franchise tag should only be used if you're actually interested in signing the person long term. If you're just doing it to trade him, it should not be allowed to be used for that situation. Either yeah. you give him a contract or you let him walk. Those are your options. And the Bears are playing dirty, and no player should sign there because they are going to screw you over like they're doing Allen Robinson right now. Ooh, Coop. I just got another prediction right. What happened? Bud Dupree is going to Tennessee. I like no, that move. No uh, details on the money yet, but I love this deal because I thought Bud Dupree was an excellent fit in Tennessee. Bud Dupree is coming off a torn ACL, so there's no sense if he'll be back next year ready in time. But Bud Dupree is an excellent player, and he's exactly the kind of player Tennessee could use. Great move for Tennessee, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I I mean, he's he's young enough. I, I, I saw him going through for 44. Tennessee, you had him to Jacksonville 4 for 50. So we weren't, we weren't that far off in terms of the money. 
per year. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets. I think I saw a, a report that his knee is doing very well, but we don't know who leaked that information. So I have yeah. to take it with a grain of salt. ACLs are very unpredictable. Sometimes, like Adrian Peterson, you're back in seven months. And sometimes it takes 18 months to recover to who you used to be. So I think he is young enough where he'll his recovery will be fast. But I don't think next year he'll be the same kind of player he was last year. Probably this is the deal for 2022 more than 2021. Yeah. And remember what happened to Thomas Davis. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen a player tear a knee more times than him. I think it was like seven. <laughs> yeah. All right, Webb. Uh, some players were recently cut that we have not discussed yet on the show, but we have made predictions for where we see them ending up. Let's start with the big name, Mitchell Schwartz from the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you predict will happen in Mitchell Schwartz's career? So for Mitchell Schwartz, I have him going to the Chargers for three years, $39 million. I also have the Chargers, three years, $35 million. That's insane. I, I, so when I saw them give Lindsley that contract, I was like, they are going to try and fix this line. And Schwartz is such a perfect fit for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, they got rid of Trey Turner. Uh, they have, I think they have Brian Balaga there or one of those guys. Um, they bring in Lindsley, spend that money on Lindsley and Schwartz. That's a Pro Bowl offensive line right there, potentially. And Mitchell Schwartz is from California near the L.A. area. So I figured him going home when he's close to retirement makes a lot of sense for him. I did not know that. There you go. I'm full of useful information. <laughs> Riley Reef recently cut by Minnesota. Where do you have him ending up? I'm going to your Colts for two years, $20 million. I also gave him two years, $20 million. But with the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs desperately needed a left tackle. And apparently they have a bunch of money now because money doesn't matter in the NFL anymore. Uh, I like the like move for Indy, though. That would be good. I would like him very much there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I'm just seeing that uh, Matt Filer from Pittsburgh signed with the Chargers. Three years, $21 million. <laughs> okay, maybe our Mitchell Schwartz deal is not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Casey Hayward. I have predicted we'll go to Buffalo two years for $16 million. What do you have for Casey Hayward, Webb? I have him going to the Chiefs. Again, I'm giving him a lot of money, but he's a great player. Two years, $23 million to Kansas City. He's almost 32, but I think he's still excellent. I think he's going to sign with a contender where he can hopefully win a Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs are a good fit for him as well. Thank you. Okay, let's end there and move on to the NCAA tournament. Webb, you are so excited about this. I find it oddly pathetic. I am looking forward to it. I get into college basketball right about now. Right when March starts is when I start paying attention. You've been paying attention since September. What are you looking forward to most during this tournament, Webb? <sighs> Where do I begin? Uh, I want to see some really good games. I want to see a team that uh, – well, hold on. Let me start off. I'm glad to see that uh, Duke and Kentucky are not in the, the tournament this year. It's just fresh 
teams, fresh faces, new life. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these teams. My team that I really like is Illinois, and they have um, they uh, they won the Big Ten this past weekend. Very exciting matchup with Ohio State. I'm looking forward to those teams return to form. Illinois has not been good since uh, a guy named Deron Williams was on the team. So, so I'm going to mention Gonzaga is undefeated on the season so far, and they are the overall number one seed. They are the number one seed in the West. Baylor is the number one seed in the South. Michigan is the number one seed in the East. And your Illinois are the number one seed in the Midwest. The games yeah. start Thursday night. Those are the playing games. And the games, so the playing games are Thursday, the first four. And then the first round goes from Friday to Monday. Did I miss anything there, Webb? Uh, well, with Gonzaga, they're, they're the first team um, since 2009 to be the preseason favorite and uh, go into the tournament as the favorite since uh, 2009. It was North Carolina. So and 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 UNC won. It so. seems to me Gonzaga's the favorite every year, and every year they lose in terrific fashion. Yeah, that seems about right. And they yeah. did they did really well this year. I think the thing is like they're they're a really good team, but they're also in a really uh, top heavy conference. They're not that their conference isn't that impressive as usual. So uh, they they've done very well. Um, the first in the country in offense in terms of scoring. Uh, they, they distribute the ball well. They're third in the country in assists per game, first in field goal percentage. Uh, they get to the free throw line. They rebound well, and they, they don't turn over the ball much. And they have uh, some some good players, uh, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, uh, Jalen Suggs. Um, it's a good team. It's, a very, it's probably the best starting lineup in the country. It is. But um, they have some holes, and... I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily going to win, but I think they'll go very far. Uh, I'm looking forward to Thursday night. They have a great playing game. UCLA versus Michigan State. These are two teams that are usually in talks to win it all. And now they're both 11 seeds playing in to get in the tournament. I think this is great. This is a great way to start the tournament. This brings fans in, the teams you know, to get you excited for the weekend. Am I wrong here? This is fun, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love UCLA. They're, they're not, they haven't been that good uh, recently. They're obviously uh, a very storied, probably the most storied uh, college basketball team, um, but they haven't been good in a while. And yeah, they're playing MSU. Uh, it's around like 10 o'clock Eastern. I think it's going to be a great game, but I have UCLA to win that because I don't think MSU is good at all. And uh, you're right, MSU is usually good. It's just this year. Um, you know, a good portion of the guys left last year, so not too high on them, but I could be wrong. Wait, are you downplaying those amazing Lonzo Ball team? They were just amazing that Lonzo Ball year. He was the number oh, yeah. one pick in the draft for your Lakers. <laughs> no, Lonzo was and Lonzo was fantastic on UCLA. Um, and UCLA has produced a lot of great players. And uh, you know, I, I I think UCLA is gonna have a a decent run. I think they're gonna make the tournament. And, uh, yeah, I, I like what I see from them uh, in terms of them even being in this position. Pac-12 wasn't that strong in terms of a conference, um, but uh, 
they have some guys there who can who can shoot the ball. Uh, they're a decent uh, three-point shooting team. Johnny Jazang, Jules Bernard. Um, I like them better than MSU. I don't know how much noise UCLA is going to make uh, in terms of um, where they are because they're in the East region, uh, potentially. But, um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. They're going to beat BYU if they win. Yeah, but, probably. Okay. But, but BYU – hold on a second. BYU is still a very good rebounding team. Um so I want to see how that matches up. Like BYU again, um, not in a great conference. Same conference as Gonzaga. UCLA went through a tougher opponents um, in the Pac-12. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, so we should, we should probably break down the regions too. That's what I got you next. Which region region do you think is strongest for the tournament started? I have heard the Midwest is murder. Is that correct? No, I don't believe that. Which is the toughest region to you? I think the East is pretty tough um, because they have uh, Michigan, LSU, FSU, Florida State, uh, Texas, and Alabama. I don't think – the reason why I say I don't think the Midwest is that tough is because I think I can see Illinois, who's the number one seed, getting to – the uh, Elite Eight pretty easily. Houston is a huge cog, or sorry, a huge roadblock to the Final Four, I think, for Illinois because they're such a good defensive team. They're the two-seed Houston. Um, but other than that, I don't really see many threats to Illinois. I mean, I know Loyola is a good team. Uh, Tennessee was really good. Um, Oklahoma State had that great run the other night, uh, almost won the Big 12. Uh, championship, uh, San Diego State, uh, underrated team. But I think Illinois has the easiest, sorry, other than Gonzaga, they have the easiest path as a number one seed to the to the final, to the Elite Eight. So Loyola made a Final Four run a few years ago, and a 101-year-old <coughs> sister Jean is back this year. A 101-year-old sister Jean is back. And you are discounting Loyola because you don't think people that are 101 years old should be allowed to go to basketball games. You are a disgrace, Webb. <laughs> That's not true. So <laughs> one thing, like with the superstitions and all the all the um, all the weird OCD stuff that people have associated with the teams, I don't really believe in that because it's one game. Anything can happen. Loyola was best team defensively in terms of holding their opponents uh, to the least amount of points per game. Um, and they had one of the best uh, field goal percentages in the com- in the country. Uh, so they're they're a good team. I just think that they might have their hands full. The, the Loyola Loyola is the eighth seed. They're playing Georgia Tech. The ninth seed Georgia Tech is no joke. They just won um, the ACC tournament championship. They are uh, they might have their hands full with Loyola, and I think Illinois is going to just dismantle Drexel. So whoever plays um, so whoever wins out of Georgia Tech and Loyola are going to play Illinois. And I don't think they're going to be able to beat Illinois, who has my favorite player, uh, Ayo Desunmu, um, over the last like, couple of years, who I think is the beast, and Kofi Cockburn, who is just killing it in the middle. Okay, so the first round begins Friday. Everyone's bracket depends on upsets. 
What are some of your favorite upsets that you predict for round one web? All right, let me see. So what do you consider an upset? I consider any seed beating a higher seed that is not 7 to 10, 8, 9. Those are games that go either way. So an 11 beating a 6 and above, I consider an upset. Okay, so not 10 over 7, you said, right? No. Those, those happen, like, every, like, three of those win every year. So I don't consider that upset anymore. Okay. So I don't really see any upsets in the West region. Um, but I see an upset in the South region. region. I see a couple. I see Winthrop beating Villanova. I oh, wouldn't wow, be surprised. That's a huge if, one. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah State beat Texas Tech. Uh, so really quick, two. sorry. Winthrop is the 12 seed. Villanova is the five seed, and Texas Tech is the six seed. Utah State is the 11 seed. Let's get people where to look on their brackets. Yeah, sure. Winthrop, they're uh, one of the top rebounding con. Ugh, teams in the country, 14th overall um, in offensive rebounding, so they they, they get up, they get after the ball on the boards, um, and they're 11th in total rebounds. Um, I like Utah State. I think Utah State is a huge threat. Um, they're everywhere over there when it comes to the stat sheet. Um, uh, Quaita on their team, he's fourth in double doubles, 10 rebounds a game for average, really good rebounding team, and they're, they're good on defense when it comes to um, holding their opponents to low uh, field goal percentages. So I can definitely see them upsetting Villanova and uh, Texas Tech. I wouldn't be surprised if Villanova wins. I think I'd, I think the upset that i choose out of those two would be Utah State more than Winthrop. So I think Villanova has a team that's been together for a little bit, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl is... Uh, a, a good player, um, and Jay Wright's a, a great coach. So uh, I can see that in the South. Um, in the East, let me see. <clears throat> well, we talked about this briefly. Um, either Michigan State or UCLA over Brigham Young, uh, BYU. That's 11th seed for MSU or UCLA and the 6th seed for BYU. Uh, that's the only one I see in the East, really. I have one in the I have one in the West, by the way. Okay. If Wichita beat if Wichita beats Drake, they're gonna beat USC in round one. Why? I like Wichita State. They're a well coached team. Yeah, I think USC is overrated. I think Wichita gets it done. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Uh, Midwest, I see Syracuse over San Diego State, possibly. I think Syracuse has looked over. Uh, a lot because they don't really have that go-to guy who's consistent all the time. Uh, I know they have Buddy Beheim, coach's son, um, who's streaky, Alan Griffin. Um, so I predict like – I'm sure there'll be more upsets than I'm predicting, but the ones that I can see, probably about four or five. And you weren't very sure of your upsets, Webb. You were like, I could see it maybe. You weren't definitive like me. I said Wichita will beat USC. You said, oh, no, maybe. Why are you such a coward when it comes to March Madness, Webb? You're barely mad at all. <laughs> I'm just – because I want to leave room. I'm saying the ones that I can see happening. Like Winthrop over Villanova I could see, but I'm not that confident. in. So that's the weakest one I have out of my um, predictions. But I think Utah State – okay, fine. Utah State over Texas Tech. Uh, and 
Syracuse over San Diego State, UCLA over BYU, no problem. Um, and the rest, I think that's all I predicted. What do you think about Liberty over Oklahoma State? No. No chance? I don't see that. No. I think Kay Cunningham is a beast. And Liberty, Liberty's good, but Oklahoma State almost won the Big the Big 12 like a few days ago. They beat Baylor. Uh, they're a good team, man. Wait, when you say almost, does that mean they lost the game? Yeah, they lost. But they weren't even like a top three ranked team in the division, in the conference. And they went to the finals. So the team is used to losing is what I'm hearing here. <laughs> so Liberty's going to dominate this game. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't see that. I, I'd be surprised if that happened. Um, those are, those are the, those are the upsets that I see in the first round. But as usual, every year, there are going to be some ones that no one predicts or very few predict. Okay. So every year the tournament makes stars. Who are the players to watch that we need to know for the upcoming NBA draft and for who is going to dominate this tournament web? Give me some names. I know you've been studying this. I need the stars. Give me some stars. Give me the next rookie phenom. The next rookie phenom. Why are you putting me on the spot here, Coop? I would Sunmu. Like, I love this player. I've loved him since last year. Him and Marcus Howard are my two favorite players last year. Uh, absolute beast, only player in the country to average 20 points, five assists, and five rebounds per game. Uh, he's on a number one seed. For those of you who are filling out your brackets, he's on Illinois. I think he's an absolute beast. Uh, you'll see him on the court. He broke his nose not too long ago, so he's wearing one of the masks. Looks uh, kind of like Batman right now. Um, oh, that's not good, beast. That's really bad. Those guys what? in the face masks never perform well unless you're on Detroit. Unless you're here <laughs> in Detroit, it works. Otherwise, it's do, destined for failure. I am out on Illinois now. I did not know that before. All right. Um, I'm high on Illinois. I have them. Well, I'll tell you guys later where, I'm, where I have these teams going. But yeah, uh, Cade Cunningham, no secret. Uh, he should probably go number one. I shouldn't say probably. He should go number one. Uh, average 26 and three. Shot 41% from three, um, 85% from the stripe. Uh, he's on Oklahoma State. Absolute beast. Freshman. Killing it. Uh, let's see who else. Kofi Cockburn on Illinois. Double-double uh, threat. He's averaging like 17 and 9. Let's just say 17 and 10. I'll round up. Uh, he's fourth in the country in field goal percentage at 65%. He gets a block per game. Second in the country in double-doubles. A uh, huge reason why Illinois won the Big Ten championship and why they're a number one seed. Uh, I'm very high on him. Um, can't forget Luca Garza on Iowa. I'm sure you guys have heard about him. Um, I think he was top four in the country in scoring. Maybe even higher than that. He averaged like 23. Just uh, I'll do my Stephen A. Approximately 23.7 points per game. Um, shot 54% from the field, 40%, almost 41 from three point. Uh, not a great free throw shooter, but he is the main guy on Iowa. Uh, did really well. He gets to the line. He does. He doesn't hit his free throws that much, but he's just a scoring machine and and uh, got quite a bunch of double doubles as well. Only scored 
uh, in single digits once this season, uh, also in the Big Ten. So he was playing against good competition. Um, Corey Kispert on Gonzaga, uh, averaging like 19 points, almost five assists, 44% from three, 89% from the free throw line. And obviously on the undefeated team, best team in the country. So it sounds to me like you're pretty high on Gonzaga. Yeah, I am. I would okay. be shocked if they don't make the Final Four. So are you, are you ready to give us your Final Four prediction? Sure. Oh, interesting. So the tournament starts Thursday. I don't fill my bracket out till Wednesday because I'm a genius. But I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What is your prediction for the Final Four web? I'm going to guess all right. it's all number ones and twos because you are a coward. Nope. I have two number ones. Actually, no, I have two number ones, one number two. Uh, so the West, I have Gonzaga winning that. I'm sure most people, probably 98% of brackets being filled out have Gonzaga winning. Uh, the South, I have Ohio State winning that two seed. Very interesting. The East, I have LSU winning that an eight seed. Oh, wow. That got, that got really fun there. Okay. And the Midwest, you guys already know, I have Illinois winning that at one seed. Probably, I'll say, 75% of brackets will probably have Illinois winning that. Um, maybe a little lower. Uh, I think I think people are shaky on Illinois because they're not a household name. If, if the one seeds were like UNC and Gonzaga and Kansas and like these teams, people would be much higher in them. But... Um, um, the, you know, they're not household names. Uh, they're not powerhouse teams. And I don't, I, I put a lot of stock into the tournaments, the conference tournaments that happened beforehand. Um, I put a lot of stock into it, especially when a team's been consistent throughout the year. If you were kind of like, let's say Georgetown that won the Big East out of nowhere. No, I feel like Georgia Tech that won the Big East because uh, Duke and Virginia Tech weren't in the, the ACC conference tournament. No, I won't put that in, but Illinois has been consistent throughout the year. Uh, number one team in free throws attempt, attempted. Uh, one of the top rebounding teams in the league. Uh, one of the top teams in the league when it comes to field goal percentage. Uh, yeah, so that's my final four. So Gonzaga and LSU. LSU I'm very high on. They almost won the SEC championship. And uh, Ohio State and Illinois. Ohio State was very close to winning the Big Ten. So are you ready for, to predict the final and the winner right now? Yeah, let's do it. Who do you have in the finals? So I think it would be really close. I have Gonzaga in the finals. And I have Ohio State in the finals. So Gonzaga beating LSU. And Ohio State getting revenge and beating Illinois in a very close game. And who is your national champion this year, Webb? So I want to say Gonzaga really badly, but I'm going to go with Ohio State. I enjoy that I just peer pressured you into not taking a number one because you don't believe in yourself, Webb. Coward. No, I'm not going with Gonzaga because we see it every year. These teams run out of gas. Put a lot of stock into going. Well, Gonzaga went 26 and 0, beating the West Coast Conference, uh, whoever the hell that is, St. Mary's and those teams. 
Um, Gonzaga played West Virginia, Iowa, and Virginia. They beat all those teams. Those are the that, that was the real competition that they got. Um, I think Ohio State. I'm really, really uh, high on them. They have a three-headed monster. Uh, EJ Liddell, Justice Suing, Dwayne Washington. They almost beat Illinois, man. And I think that because they played Illinois uh, this past conference uh, championship, I think they're gonna have a little bit of uh, a little insight in the, into the secret sauce of Illinois. They're gonna beat them. I think they're gonna beat Gonzaga too. By the time Gonzaga gets to the championship game on April fifth, I think they're gonna be gassed out. It's hard to go perfect in a whole season, COVID or no COVID. Uh, it's very tough, and I think Gonzaga is gonna gas. Uh, be gassed by the time they get there. So I don't see them winning. I think there is 0% chance Gonzaga wins this tournament. They fail every single year. Their lack of competition comes back and bites them every time. Yep. They're always the number one seed, and they always lose in the Elite Eight or Final Four. Always. Yeah, I just... And, and, and the thing is, like, if Gonzaga had a more difficult path, so, like, I could, I could see... Gonzaga losing to Virginia in the Sweet 16. Like, it wouldn't shock me. Um, but other than that, I think they have a, a fairly favorable path to the to the Final Four. Um, they'd probably go through in the round of 32, Oklahoma. Sweet 16... Sorry, in the round of 32, they go through Missouri or Oklahoma. Sweet 16, they go through... Uh, the winner of Creighton and Virginia, most likely, unless you see Ohio being beating Virginia or Santa Barbara beating Creighton. And then they play USC in or Kansas, wherever you have, or Wichita in your state coup um, in the Elite Eight. Like, I think they have a fairly uh, favorable path to to uh, the Sweet Six, to the Elite Eight this year. So that's why I give them a little bit more. Um, a little bit more credit, and, and, and I'm not taking into account the the failures of every year when they're, like, so highly ranked and they just can't do it. But they, they're a good team. They have a really good starting lineup, um, and they are just crushing it in terms of offensive categories. Okay, Webb, we're going to cover each week of the tournament. We're going to break down the first round. Is there anything else you want the people out there to know about the first round of this tournament coming up this weekend. Yeah, there's some some good teams uh, for your brackets um, that people should yeah. look out for. Who are some locks that you guarantee are going to win this first week? How many? Whatever you want. Don't give like Gonzaga versus one versus sixteen, but give some games that could be close, but you think will not be that close. Some locks. All right. Uh, let me see here for the first week. First week. All right, I think Colorado and Georgetown will be a good game. I have Colorado winning that. Uh, let's see, UConn and Maryland should be a good game. It's a 10 in the 7 seed, Maryland the 10, 7 Connecticut. I got UConn winning that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Maryland won. So that's so not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. So uh, the one thing I asked for, you're not willing to do, what you're saying to me. You were such hey, a fence sitter. You were here's Switzerland. The here's the thing. You could. You could tell me I'm a fence setter all you want. You show me one person that can predict accurately an NCAA men's tournament in like 100%, and I will walk off this podcast right now. Anybody can be as confident as they want. Everyone is wrong every single year because there's at least one team that crushes brackets on the first day or the first round. 
Pathetic. That's all I'm saying. I'll 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 tell you who I think are overrated. I think um I think uh, Tennessee is a little overrated. I think Baylor as a one seed is a little overrated. Um, I think Michigan as a one seed is overrated, especially since they lost Isaiah Livers. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting tournament, man. I, I'm really excited because it's not just your typical household names. Um, I think LSU is really underrated. Uh, I think Florida State's underrated. Um, I think Syracuse is underrated as the 11 seed. Uh, I think Utah State is underrated. Uh, let's see who else. We didn't get to see Virginia Tech because of COVID. They uh, didn't get to play um, against Duke last Friday night. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Ohio is 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 underrated. I think Virginia Commonwealth VCU very underrated. We'll see what happens, man. It'll be interesting. I think Iowa's overrated as well. It's going to be fun. Okay, so what else do you want to say before we get out of here today? I know you have a lot of thoughts here. End this segment on the tournament. Give the people some information that they have not heard somewhere else yet. Uh, so this is my gripe. Like, don't pay attention so much to the to the mocks. Um, there are a lot of players who are very good in college basketball who didn't make the tournament. Um don't put a lot of stock into the tournament in terms of player performances. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. Like, don't judge a player just based on um, how they perform in one game. If they're one and done and they're supposed to be much better, doesn't mean they're going to be bad as a as a player. And conversely, if a player or a team goes all the way, um, doesn't necessarily mean that this player is amazing now because they had a great run in the tournament. So kind of have to take this with a grain of salt as well. It's, it's a lot of fun. But in terms of like uh, projections and, and and choosing prospects, don't just base it on this. Like there was a whole year of competition. Some of these players have been here for two years, three years. Uh, there's some good players in here. So don't take don't take the next like three weeks as as the gospel or indicative of what the, these players can do or what they can't do. Before we get out of here, I just want to add there's some free agent signings. The Jets signed Carl Lawson. Uh, three-year, $45 million. And Jameis Winston re-signed with the Saints for one year, $12 million. Oh, Coop, we didn't talk about Taysom Hill. That's because there's nothing to talk about. Taysom Hill was given a four-year, $140 million contract that was all avoidable. It's fake. I don't even understand what it means. It doesn't make sense to me. Do you understand it at all? Uh, it's, it, it was very vague. They said uh, all the years are avoidable. So, I don't know if he's going to be playing week to week. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it just means that there's no dead cap if they get rid of him. It didn't sound like a. It sounded like a very non-committal deal. So the reason they did it was so that they could spread over uh, the dead cap from the signing bonus conversion over the next five years instead of having him hit it hit have it hit the Saints next year. So this way they spread it over five years, and there is zero percent chance that Taysom Hill actually gets this contract. This is never going to happen. This was him doing the team a favor because they gave him a huge contract last year. But they only did this to make enough space to try and get under the cap because they were like $60 million in the hole when they started. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was really bad. It was really bad. And, you know, I, I still think they have a very good executive uh, a front office there. So I think they'll be competitive. 
I want the Saints general manager to handle my finances. Because they are amazing. They are wizards. I am sure I would go to jail for tax evasion, but I'm okay with that. Wow. <laughs> I can well, do a year and a half to pocket $60 million. All right. It's freezing. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> with another show before the tournament starts on Friday. Please follow us on social media, at Rookie Phenoms, Facebook, Instagram. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. We really appreciate it. Web has been doing all this research for you, so please reward us with a subscribe. We love you for it. Web, anything to add before we get out of here? Yeah, everyone, good luck in their uh, their brackets. Uh, there's no science to this, no matter what you see out there. Like it's luck, and you know it's just bad bad luck, good luck for some teams, and it's just chance. So like, don't put too much thought into it, or too much money, honestly, if you can't afford it. Way to take the fun out of March Madness, Webb. Good job by you. No, I'm just saying, like, no, gamble if you want to gamble, but, like, <laughs> don't do anything ridiculous where you're going to be pissed off at a bunch of college kids because they didn't cover or they didn't win advance for you. Gambling is only only fun when you wager way too much money. <laughs> That's just a I'm fact. Not... <laughs> like, yeah, for I'm example, not... <laughs> I might not care who wins Oklahoma versus Missouri. But if I bet $5,000 on Oklahoma, you're goddamn right I'm going to care about that game. <laughs> Do that and love March Madness. That is my recommendation to you. You guys are sick. Sick people. Thank you, Evan, for listening. Have a great night. Yeah, Liquor Nation. <laughs>